Am I up? There we go. Good morning, you guys. What a pleasure to be in the house of the Lord this morning. What a joy to have his presence. God, we just thank you so much that you make it so fun to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What a blessing, Lord. Thank you that we get to sing to you this morning. And God, just as we're entering into your courts with thanksgiving and into your throne room with our praises, Lord, we ask that it would be a sweet incense to you, Lord. Tune every thought, every word, Lord, to you, God, to our audience of one this morning, that this would not just be the entertainment portion of what we do, but this would be worship to the true and living God and King. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand on up. Let's praise our Lord.
thank you that the old man is dead and that we are new creatures and that we have the newness and fullness of new life. Thank God yesterday is gone. We have a hope and a future through Jesus Christ. We praise you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. Beautiful fall day out there. Cool weather. Man, my house was cold this morning. It's nice. About time, huh? Uh, just a few, well, first, uh, this is our mission update Sunday. And if you don't know, just a reminder, we support this fellowship. We support uh, 
two local missions. One is the uh, helping in his name's food pantry in Henry County over here, and also the Henry County uh, Pregnancy Resource Center. And we also support two domestic missions. They're both through Life and Messiah. They're uh, outreaches to the Jewish community. One is the Schwartz family in Brooklyn, New York, and the other is the Coughlin, Coffin family in uh, Miami, Florida. Reaching those two, those are two big Jewish communities there and uh, the reaching them for Christ. And then we also have two international missions. One is Pastor Rajesh in India, Calvary Gospel Church in India, and they've got a couple of church plants uh, through them. And also uh, Danny Lafferty Evangelistic Association in Guatemala. And so I'm gonna give you an update today from uh, Danny, Pastor Danny down there in Guatemala. He says, Dear family in Christ, greetings and great blessings to you and the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you and all your family are well, blessed, and safe. We are doing well, even though both Anita, that's his wife, and I had COVID last month. Anita seemed to get it from school, and then I eventually got it from her, even though we, she slept upstairs away from me. After her 10 days, I began getting symptoms the next week, but thanks be to God, and the vaccine we took in February, both of us have a very mild cold and we're not uh, gravely sick. In spite of getting the variant, I continue to encourage all of us who can get, who can to get vaccinated. As I said last month, and Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. God continues to bless DLA, DLEA in a great way. Uh, I will not be going back to Guatemala until the end of November because we did not know how the virus would affect us. So we will not take any chances. God has given us a brain and we want to use it. However, the work continues without hesitation. Our food relief program is going well. People are still in great need of basic food for their family and work is becoming more scarce as time goes on. Many people in Guatemala are dying from COVID as I shared with you about the man we built a casita for, this the little tiny houses uh, they build, whose wife died in July. We are giving tons of food every week uh, through your faithful love and support. I cannot tell, tell how, I cannot tell you how they are grateful to God through you. Many, uh, may God bless you abundantly. We are also praying for the people of Louisiana after the hurricane last weekend. So this is uh, from September. We missed the storm uh, for most of the part on the Mississippi Gulf Coast with just high tides, gusty winds, and over 10 inches of rain. We did not lose power at all, thanks be to God. It'll be a long time for the people in Louisiana. We have been through the same thing ourselves over the years. Thank you deeply for your loving prayers and support for us personally and for the wonderful ministry of DLEA God has given us over the decades. May the Lord bless you for making such a difference in the lives of precious people who he loves. Thank you also for praying for me often in his service, Danny. And so just great, awesome uh, work Danny does there. And uh, many of us have gone down on a short-term trip uh, to Guatemala, built those little casitas, he call them. They're like a garden shed to us, but to a family there, there it's a house. Um, all right, just a few updates. Uh, today we got lunch uh, right after the service, around 12.15ish, and then uh, at one o'clock we have our women's study. We have our study through the book of Daniel, uh, led by Pastor Daniel, be in the cafe area and the youth as well. And then Wednesday we got uh, 6.30 is pizza and 7.30 is our worship and our study through the Old Testament. 
And what else do we got? Uh, coming up this weekend, there's a sign-up sheet, so sign up. It's, uh, is that this coming weekend? Yeah. Yeah, Friday, It's this is a women's uh, gathering, they're calling it, like a conference at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. And uh, if you're interested in going, just sign up on the sheet there, and we'll get you signed up. And it's Friday, like evening, afternoon, evening, and Saturday uh, throughout the day. Um, what else? We can still use volunteers uh, in any area. Uh, the children's area, we're still kind of, we could use someone in the monthly rotation for that and also for our uh, guest services, the ushering and security and all that. If you're interested in that, uh, let me know. And what else we got? Uh, donations, we're still taking clothing donations and uh, we had a great, uh, I guess this is kind of a praise report, I'm just going to share. We had a awesome this uh, yesterday uh, lots of people came out a lot of clothing was handed out uh, and I mean just ton like uh, Shirley's just taken in these empty hangers like a, two stacks of hangers that just represents clothing that was uh, distributed and the food and so uh, we also uh, DC and the girls were out there making pancakes and uh, blessing uh, a lot of people coming up and uh, having some of that, so it was just a great time uh, reaching out to the community, and so real, real blessing to the Lord. And uh, what else? Any other uh, praise reports? If you'd raise your hand, uh, Danny's got his hand up right there. Thank you. I just want to uh, say that this church has been uh, a, a life-saving place for me. Uh, Y'all have been there when I was, uh, helped me build myself up, with, you know, from when I was on the streets. And I still am on the streets, but not in the way I was. And uh, so things are looking up, and, and I just want to say thank you to this church, especially Pastor Rob. He's giving me rise to church and, and to the hospital and stuff. So thank you, thank you very much. God bless you. God bless everybody. I just want to say um, this week has been such a huge spiritual growth in my in my life. I've been going through a lot of changes, and as you can see, I got a cape on my head. Um, I'm just going through some changes in my life. Nothing drastic. It's it's just it's just I guess growing up type thing. Um, but I bless everybody in the name of Jesus, of course, um, and I pray that we can still see past what we see, if that makes any sense. Thank All right. You. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Praise Sam. God. We had Monica had her hand up here. Okay, so this is kind of more of a request than a praise. I mean, sort of a praise in that mom is out of the hospital and she's now in a rehab facility. Um, she's in quarantine and she will be for another week and two days. And she is incredibly depressed. She is very, very down. She's very, very lonely. She does not understand what's going on. She um, thinks that everyone has abandoned her. And, uh, the nurses don't seem to be doing what they're supposed to be, well, what we think they should be doing. Um, dad's had a very difficult time getting in touch with them and 
you know, getting information from them. Um, it seems like she's very drugged up all the time. Uh, we're just, we're just, I, I mean, we're literally at our wits end. We really don't know what to do, but anybody that's here, if you have um, an iPhone and you can FaceTime her, even if it's just for five minutes, and you may not, she may not even recognize you, but it doesn't matter. She just needs outside contact. She can't even leave her room. And, you know, PT comes in and stuff, but the only thing they really do is they get her up out of the bed. Maybe they walk her to the bathroom. Maybe they sit her in a chair. They sit her on the edge of the bed and do some exercises. Um, but it's not a good situation, and I'm nervous that she's just going to give up. I feel like she's already there. So anybody that's here, if you can just call her on your iPhone on FaceTime so that she can see your face. She needs that interaction. So, uh, I mean, it's a praise that she's in rehab, but it's more of a request than a praise, I think. Okay. So, I just want to put that out there. All right. Thank you. Uh, Helena's got her hand up. Yes, much prayer for Mama Pam, as we have been praying for God's loving arms around her during this time. But praise report, my mom is here. Yay. She has moved her, her pod of stuff and her car also made it safely, but most importantly, she's safely here. And we're also praising my daughter's birthday uh, weekend. It's actually next weekend. She's here from Nashville celebrating. Turning 20, so no more teens. Happy birthday. Hey. Thanks, God. Anybody else? Oh, hold on just a second, Emily. Can I make a comment, Emily? I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, um, I'm starting my job tomorrow. All right. Let's go. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's, in my opinion, a really Good job. I'm really excited. <laughs> Yay. All right. Well, praise God. Anybody else? All right. If you have a prayer need this morning, we just want you to raise your hand, and we're going to, a few of us are going to gather around you. And Monica, if you'd raise your hand, we're going to lift up Pam. And in the back, Tracy's got her hand up. Anybody else that needs prayer this morning? And right here. What was your name again? Norma Jean's got her hand up. Well, if a few would gather around, Norma Jean and Tracy and Monica up here, and uh, I'll start us off, and then uh, Pastor Daniel's going to come up and bring us the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and glorify you and praise you for working in our lives in these amazing ways as uh, we have testified. Uh, but Lord, right now, we just ask that you would hear us as we lift one another up to you, Father.
Father in heaven, we come before you today and we ask you to remember that our lives are but brief. They're like dust that blows away. Father, so time passes us by. Like the flowers that fade, so our lives pass by. Father, I thank you today that through Jesus Christ, our perspective is changed. When we look at the brief time that we have here, it is so very brief. Oh, but the promise we have is eternity with you. We know you, Father, that you are life. And Father, for these prayers that have been lifted up, we still fight for every moment, for every second, for every breath of life in these bodies that you will bless us with. So know the hurt, know the sorrow, know the pain, know the grief. Know, Father, the fight that we go through. And you bless that fight by your grace and by your mercy. And Father, you are light when everything around us seems like pure blackest night. Let your light shine and you light up a path, Father. Father, by Jesus Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you light up a path in lives that we can see. Maybe it's just to take the next step but you light our path at least that far. Father, you are love. Today we're going to talk about love among believers. And Father, today our prayers are with one another and with each other, praying God that these who are fighting will know that they are not alone even when we can't physically be with them. Father, I pray that your love will carry our spirit and our hearts and that you will surround, Father, these loved ones who are undergoing health issues and who are battling, that you will surround them, Father, if it need to be by your angels to carry the message that they are loved and not abandoned. Father, we love them, and as much as we love them that much more, you love them. So don't grant the enemy victory over our families who feel alone. But Father, today, let your loving arms embrace our families in a way that we sometimes can't. Above all, Lord, I pray, grant us to have that eternal perspective. Since the last time I was here, I've encountered a man who lost a daughter to cancer and he's walked away from you because he's only got the perspective of this world not of the world to come God we are yours and you are ours and you've promised us eternity and everlasting life through your son Jesus Christ let that change our perspective on everything in this life knowing when we come to the end of this life, it's just the beginning of eternity. 
to spend with you. Father, if we don't have that confidence in these days and these hours, in these trials and tribulations that are coming, we'll never be salt and we'll never be light to this world. But make us salt and make us light. Set us like a city on a hill that with that eternal perspective, God, we will glorify you and that we will lift up Jesus Christ, life eternal. And Jesus, as you are lifted up, we know that you, Holy Father, will draw those who will see your light to yourself. So, Father, we trust you to be with us. And as we get into your word today, we pray that you will make your word come alive to us in a way that is beyond the capacity of the vessel that's talking. Just like these musicians use instruments to make sounds they couldn't make. Father, you can use me as an instrument. And I pray that I will be an instrument in your hands and that your Holy Spirit will be the breath that will make your word come alive. And that your word today will speak to those who are listening for you that need to hear you and that your word will heal and encourage and comfort and strengthen, Father, so that we can make it through every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every year that is ahead. Strengthen us, Father, in the power of your spirit through your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray. Amen. So we get today into Colossians. The plan is to finish the book of Colossians today. So we've been talking through the book of Colossians, and the book of Colossians is all about Jesus is real. Yet we get to the end of the book of Colossians, and Paul has changed tone. And what we're going to see is that Jesus is real, but Jesus is real in the service of believers. So if you don't know, we are the hands and the feet and sometimes the mouth of Jesus to this world today. They don't see Jesus unless they see Jesus in us. So that's where we're at now in the book of Colossians is so that the world, so that we see Jesus in each other even if we can't physically see him today. Last week, Pastor Rob covered verses 2 through 3 through 4. In doing so, he focused on prayer by defining prayer and teaching us how to participate in the most critical part of prayer. So now, let's see if you remember what Rob taught last week. What is that critical part of prayer? Nobody shouted it out. I'll, I'll, I'll let you off the hook. The critical part of prayer, I heard somebody starting to say, it, is listening for God to speak to us. Isn't it interesting that Tracy and I were at Calvary Chapel Mobile, and that's in L.A., not in California, but lower Alabama. And Pastor Mike was also teaching on prayer there in Mobile. So I think the Lord is trying to tell maybe me, <laughs> or at least I believe he's trying to tell his church something. And it's not just about the way that Pastor Mike put it, his prayer is not a monologue. It's not just uh, the word, the way they would say it in a Shakespearean play, a soliloquy, where you just say a whole bunch of stuff and then walk off. If we tell God a lot of things, then we should expect God to answer us. I agree with Pastor Mike, and I don't know if you put it in there, but sometimes the answer is yes, 
Sometimes the answer is no. And the one he caught me nodding my head on was sometimes the answer is maybe or wait. Those are hard answers. <laughs> but God will answer. Are you waiting for God to answer when you pray? How does God speak to us today? Primarily through His Word as we are guided by the Holy Spirit. That is so critical. Paul in these verses also instructs the Colossians not only to pray for themselves, but to pray for Paul's ministry to be effective. While that's, that is intercessory prayer, this is also where prayer becomes a spiritual battleground with the prayers of God's people fueling the ministry of those called to speak God's word. If you've never spoke to a group of people who aren't praying for the minister, you need to have that experience at least once. It'll change your perspective and understand that whoever's standing up here isn't the most important person in the room. The Holy Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit comes in when the people who are sitting, you who are out there, are praying for God to speak through those who are called to teach. The prayers of the saints also work to hinder the spiritual forces of darkness and result in doors opening for ministry. We're teach I'm teaching through and uh, had other people help. Thanks to David last week for sitting in for me. But in the, in the book of Daniel, we're going to soon get to the part where Daniel's prayers was doing spiritual battle to open doors. The doors for this mission field that is right outside the doors of this church will only be open through the prayers of we who make up this church praying that God will open the doors for effective ministry here. Notice that the Apostle Paul desires the working of the Lord through the prayers of the Colossians to enable him to make, make him know how he should speak the mystery of Christ in order to make it clear. Once again, I'm reminded that we as believers are to study the Word of God to show ourselves approved by God. But when it comes to talking with those who are trapped by the world, we need God's special provision of grace and power to make known the mystery of Jesus. Those who are still living in the world apart from Jesus have their minds blinded by the God of this age. And we will see unbelievers become believers, not by winning an argument, but by revealing the truth of Jesus' atonement and the hope of the resurrection in a way that gets through the hard-packed clay of an unbeliever's heart and mind. Not only does the minister need this wisdom, grace, and power to talk to unbelievers, all who are disciples of Jesus are commanded to share the good news of victory in Jesus with the world outside the fellowship of the church. Paul switches to this thought in verse 5, and we will start our study today in verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Paul's instructions here to the Colossians are still valid for us today, especially since today we are living in an America that is quickly becoming a post-Christian nation. Take the time to look at the divide the coronavirus has created in the streets and in the pews. If we look closely, we will see that many in the church are not walking in wisdom toward outsiders, but are using tradition, the tradition of religion, as a battering ram to support each individual's own beliefs. 
Paul tells us that we are to walk in wisdom. And this does not mean flying our own flag of individual rights as though there is a direct decree in the word to do so. As a Christian, I do not have individual rights. Jesus asked me to deny myself and take up his cross, not proclaim my individual rights. I am dead to my rights through the cross at Calvary and alive to the rights of the Son of God through Jesus Christ in whom my life is hid. It seems like we read that in the book of Colossians that our life is hid with Jesus Christ. How do we show wisdom in a world that is panic-stricken and full of disinformation? First, we pray until we have God's direction for our life and then we keep praying for God's direction to be clear to those around us. We're not to judge by our own standards of what is right and wrong. We don't know where the Spirit of God is leading somewhere else, so we can't enforce our own way. But we must support the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus makes the best use of the time and demonstrates God's goodness that leads to repentance. Speaking the truth in love and demonstrating God's goodness go hand in hand in redeeming the remaining hours the church must secure a harvest in this world. And I do believe, friends, we've got hours left. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. How can I be sure that the Apostle Paul wants us to imitate the gentleness of Jesus? Because Paul tells us here in verse 6 that our speech should always be gracious and seasoned with salt. Some might object and say that Paul was militant and bold in his challenging the darkness. Yes, Paul was bold and did not back down regarding the truth of Jesus as Jesus taught the truth. But he did not attempt to out-argue his opponents so much as he attempted to demonstrate God's love to his opponents. How did Paul get into trouble in Jerusalem that led to his current imprisonment in Rome at the time he's writing this letter to the Colossians? Paul got into trouble for stating the fact that God so loved the world that salvation also belonged to the Gentiles. Paul was in trouble not for attacking the world head on, but he was in trouble for demonstrating the goodness of God's grace to both Jew and Gentile. It was when Paul asserted his own rights as a Roman citizen that his imprisonment was extended. Remember that after Felix cross-examined Paul, he determined that Paul had done nothing worthy of being imprisoned, but because Paul had appealed to present his case before Caesar, then to Rome, Paul must go. I believe God had a hand in that. and So I'm not making Paul out to be bad here, but, but using it as an example. God did use this in Paul's life to further the gospel. But I hope that you can see Paul's point. We are not sent out to win arguments and assert our own rights as Christians. No, we are to speak to this world with grace praying that our speech will make those who listen to us hunger and thirst for righteousness. We are also not to use a single approach to evangelism. We are to approach each person as we are led by the Holy Spirit 
and meet that person at their own level of understanding so that we can provide a ready defense for why we believe that Jesus is the truth, the life, and the only way to live eternally with God. You understand what we're saying? We don't defend an argument. We defend why we believe that Jesus is the only way to God. There have been many a Christian whose goal was to win an argument, and in winning the argument have so wounded someone to the point of that person fortifying his or her heart against hearing the goodness of God. I would rather lose the debate and gain a believer than win the debate and lose a soul to hell. God grant us the wisdom to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. From this point, Paul goes on to give credit to his fellow workers and laborers in the mission field. Colossians 4, verses 7 and 8. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. From these verses, we learn that Paul thinks very highly of Tychicus and describes him as a beloved brother, meaning that Tyke, is it okay if I call him Tyke? Yes. Meaning that Tyke has not only proven himself as a member of God's family, but that he is dear to Paul's heart. Paul proclaims that Tyke is a faithful minister, meaning that he is a trustworthy deacon in supporting Paul's own ministry. Finally, Paul describes Tyke as a fellow servant in the Lord, meaning that Tyke is also called to serve in his own ministry. It is because Tyke is so dear to Paul's heart that he is sending him to carry not only the letter Paul has written to Colossae, but also to Philemon and Ephesus. Because Tyke is such an integral member of Paul's ministry team, then he is the one that shares how Paul and his team are faring in Rome while Paul is in prison. And in doing so, Paul trusts that Tyke will encourage the hearts of the Colossians to continue serving Jesus. With such accolades given by the Apostle Paul, it will be beneficial for us to take the time to know a little more about Tyke. So we're going to talk about Tychicus, or Tyke. Starting in Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. After the uproar ceased, and that would have been in Ephesus, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derby and Timothy and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. Tychicus first mentioned here in Acts chapter 20 as one of the members of a group of believers who were supporting Paul on his missionary journey to Macedonia and Greece. We learn in this passage that he is from Asia, that is the area of Ephesus, Colossae, and Laodicea, but that he has heard the call to share in Paul's efforts. 
to spread the gospel everywhere possible. In Ephesians chapter 6, we also hear, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. In Ephesians, we learn that Tyke's mission to the Ephesians parallels his mission to the Colossians. Keep in mind that Paul is in prison, so he can't visit these churches himself. Therefore, he must choose the best candidate to be his messenger to these churches. This tells us that Paul trusted Tyke enough to send him as his own representative, knowing that Tyke would not use the opportunity for self-promotion but would faithfully minister to these churches on Paul's behalf. Are we trustworthy enough for someone else to send us in their place and them not worry that we will be faithful to the message? Paul talking to Titus in Titus 3.12, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. We also hear about Tyke in Paul's letter to Titus where Paul is promising to send either Artie or Tyke to relieve Titus so that Titus could visit him. Once again, Tyke is trustworthy enough to carry on Paul's mission. How many of you thought Paul did all this by himself? We always talk about the Apostle Paul. Are you starting to realize that Paul was not in ministry by himself? Just like, you know, the Billy Graham Crusades? Billy Graham didn't do all of that by himself. There was a whole group of people that supported that ministry effort. In 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 12 we read, Do your best to come to me soon. So Paul is asking Timothy to come visit him soon. For Demas, we're going to hear about this man again in Colossians. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. We're going to hear about these two guys also in Colossians. For he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. In Paul's final letter, he is requesting that Timothy visit him while he is once again imprisoned in Rome. Paul just kept getting in trouble. Paul, in explaining his desire to Timothy, informs him that he has sent Tyke to Ephesus once again on a mission to that church in Asia. We do not know what Tyke's second mission to Ephesus entailed, but once again we see him being a faithful servant for the advancement of God's kingdom. Tyke, however, is not the only one Paul mentions in his closing remarks. Also included is a person who had a special encounter with Paul. Colossians 4.9 and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Who is this Onesimus? In order to understand who he is, it is best to read Paul's letter to... So Y'all have to pardon me, I always trip over Phil's name. Because in my head it's Philemon, but it's hard for me for a redneck to say it that way. So I'm going to say Paul's letter to Phil where we learn of Onesimus' story. So the book of Philemon or to Phil. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, 
and Apia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Continuing in verse 13, I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother, especially to me but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously giving to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. You're going to recognize some familiar names again. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. At the end of Paul's letter to Phil, Paul once again lists those who are aiding in his ministry while he is imprisoned in Rome. From these verses we learn that Epaphras is in prison with Paul, but returning to Paul's closing in, when we get to Paul's closing in Colossians, we return, we will learn that Epaphras and that desire for him to return and that he is unfortunately in prison. My thoughts are going back. Do you understand the story of Onesimus? He was Phil's slave, but he escaped from Phil and made his way all the way to Rome where God arranged an encounter between this escaped slave and the apostle Paul. There he came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and Paul said, guess what, brother? We've got to make reconciliation." The things that you have done wrong, you've got to undo. I'm sending you back to the man you escaped from. But hold on, I'm going to send a letter with you. And when we were, Could you imagine getting a letter like that from Paul? 
So I mean, some of us we don't we don't keep that, but imagine some of us have got pets, right? Could you imagine if your dog or your cat had got away from you, and somebody wrote back and said, "Hey, I really wanted to keep your pet, but I'm going to send them back to you, but really give them back to me when you uh, get this letter." It'd be kind of tough, wouldn't it? Imagine, and that's kind of sort of not to to uh, put down an enslaved person. But you understand to get that idea of this was, you know, the Apostle Paul saying, hey, you owe me one, I'm calling in that favor. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers, for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. In these verses, Paul calls out three fellow workers for the kingdom of God. We will look at each in turn, and since Aristarchus is mentioned first, let's first look at him. Before looking at additional scripture, I know that today is more like a college lecture and Bible history than it is. Y'all are probably glad after the first two verses that we've gone to college lecture status because I was already meddling. So we'll jump back in at our college lecture level and we'll learn about Aristarchus and his history. And it's noteworthy to learn that he is also in prison with Paul. We don't know why Aristarchus and Epaphras are in prison with Paul, but we must assume that it is because of their close connection with Paul and his ministry. We learn that this is not the first time Ari found himself in trouble supporting Paul when we look back into Acts. Acts 19, verse 29. So the city, that being Ephesus, was filled with the confusion and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. From Acts 19, we learn that Aristarchus must have first come to know Paul during the two years Paul spent in Ephesus planning the church there. We see in verse 29 that Ari stood so close by Paul's side that he and Gaius were captured by the enraged crowd and forced to stand on trial in Paul's place when Demetrius, the silversmith, provoked the Ephesians against Paul and his Christian teaching out of jealousy. We also learn that following this riot that Paul planned to travel into Macedonia. Where's Ari from? Macedonia. In Acts 20, Aristarchus is mentioned as traveling with Paul through Macedonia and Greece. It is apparent that Ares stood by Paul's side as he traveled to Jerusalem rather than hanging back in Ephesus. When we look towards the end of the book of Acts, we see that Ares is still by Paul's side as a prisoner traveling to Rome. Are you still starting to get the idea your homework is to read the book of Acts? You only understand these closing to these Paul's letters when you're familiar with the book of Acts. Acts chapter 27, verse 2. And embarking in a ship, this is a fun one, a dramatium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. Greek isn't like redneck. We lose syllables they add syllables. We go from you all to y'all. We try to make it as few syllables as possible. 
From these accounts, we learn that Ari was a trustworthy man who was determined to stick by Paul's side no matter the consequence. Other than Paul mentioning him in his prison letters, we do not hear much more about Ari except that according to tradition, he was martyred during the persecution of Nero. It was during the persecution of Nero that Paul was also martyred. And it is possible that Ari remained a faithful co-worker with Paul until both were martyred. From Ari, we move on to discover that even Paul knew how to make wrongs right, and that is through reconciliation of a relationship. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Paul's first missionary journey was undertaken with Barnabas, a Jewish convert who was known as the son of encouragement. Before we learn of Barnabas, though, we first learn of his cousin, John Mark, in Acts chapter 12, verses 11 through 12. We're back in Acts again. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. From this account in Acts, we learn there was a house church in Jerusalem in the house of Mary, the mother of Mark. This was the first stop Peter made when he was supernaturally released from prison for preaching that Jesus is the Messiah. There he encountered Mark once again. Why do I say once again? Well, on the night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas and the night that Peter denied his Lord three times, there was a young man there also who deserted Jesus. We read about this in Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 14, verses 47 through 52. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him, and they, meaning his disciples, not the soldiers, they all left him and fled. Verse 51, And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Like Louis Grizzard, naked. He was in trouble and he was running. So Judas betrayed Jesus. We learn from the Gospel of John that it was Peter who drew his sword and cut off someone's ear. How did Jesus respond? Jesus responded by healing the man's ear and then willingly went as captive to his death. This put Peter in a tailspin because he thought they were going to fight to the death or that Jesus was going to take over the kingship of Jerusalem and be the Messiah that he was expecting. This confusion about the Messiah's mission led Peter to deny Jesus three times that night, and it wasn't until Jesus met with Peter and the other fishermen in Galilee that Jesus taught Peter the power of reconciling relationships. There by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus restored Peter to a right relationship with him by having Peter confess his increasing love for Jesus three times in front of the other disciples. 
who better then to, to reconcile Mark to Jesus except for Peter? Mark was so scared the night of the Messiah's arrest that he endured the shame of running away naked rather than standing with Jesus. This is why I believe it was Peter who restored Mark to the faith since they both had denied Jesus as Messiah through their confusion on the night of Jesus' arrest. Why do I believe this? Because of what Peter wrote in his first letter to the churches. 1 Peter 5.13 She who is at Babylon, and I believe literally Babylon over in Iraq, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Here Peter refers to Mark as his son, an indication that it was Peter who led Mark to become a true follower of Jesus Christ. When did this happen? We know Mark was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus, but it seems like there was a lag in time from when he eyewitnessed the life of Jesus to when he truly gave himself over as a disciple of Jesus. History does not tell us when this happened, but could it have been possible that it was while Peter was still in Jerusalem? We find that Mark accompanied his uncle Barnabas to visit the church in Antioch in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. By the way, Barnabas had gone over to Tarsus to get Saul and bring him back to Antioch because they needed somebody that understood Greek Christians. So they had completed their service there and bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. You see now the connection between John and Mark. Since Paul and Barnabas had made such a great team in Antioch, we find that the Holy Spirit directs the church to send these men as missionaries to the Gentiles. It's an important note to make. In Acts 13, verses 2 through 5, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. So I say everything's good while they're going to the synagogues. Here we see that Mark is using his Hebrew name and that he was Paul and Barnabas on this trip at least until we get to verse 13. So we're going to skip ahead to verse 13 of Acts chapter 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. We do not know exactly why John Mark left the missionary trip. And some think that he was just timid and somewhat a cowardly man. Probably because he ran away naked. Whereas some people believe that John was still holding on to his Jewish identity and the Jewish ideals for Jesus so that when Paul became as a Gentile to the Gentiles, it pushed John Mark out of his Jewish comfort zone. Remember, it even pushed Barnabas out of his comfort zone. And it seems like Barnabas said, I'll stick it through with Paul. And Mark's like, mm-mm, i, I got to go back to Jerusalem to check on this. Remember, this is Acts 13 before the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. And that's where we catch up next. We will see a change in John after the events of the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 
after Acts 15, he is always known to us as Mark, not John. Acts 15, verses 36 through 40, And after some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Here in this account, I find it sad to see such a sharp dispute between two of the most godly men known in the days after Jesus' resurrection. Don't you wish it made it so that we never disagreed with one another? Unfortunately, it happens, even between Paul and Barnabas. Paul was so hard and rigid that he failed to allow for forgiveness in the case of Mark returning to the mission field with him and Barnabas. This led to Barnabas and Paul going separate ways. As time would progress, we will see that the Lord works on Paul to soften his heart, leading to his reconciliation with Barnabas through his reconciliation with Mark. 2 Timothy 4.11 Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. What a change in 2 Timothy 4.11 from what Paul is saying in Acts chapter 15. Because of Paul's instructions to the Colossian church to welcome Mark, and later from Paul's request uh, from Mark to aid him in his ministry, we learn that Paul was able to reconcile with Mark and find him useful for ministry. What is the result of this reconciliation, this repairing of a relationship? Mark would go on to write the Gospel of Mark, and becomes one of the four who writes about the life of Jesus. The Gospel of Mark, which records Peter's account of Jesus' life. Notice that when Mark wrote his Gospel, it was written for a Roman audience, not a Jewish audience, indicating that Mark had fully accepted the fact that Jesus is not only the Messiah of the Jewish people, but also Christ to the Gentiles. In other words, Lord and Savior, both of Jew and Gentile. Have you ever had a disagreement with somebody in the church? How much time has passed and you're still at odds with that person? But you know that they are a brother or a sister in the Lord. Don't wait till heaven to make it right. Paul didn't. We shouldn't wait either. i gone to meddling, haven't I? All right. Another Jew using his Gentile name. Little else is known about this specific justice except that he is a friend of Paul and a fellow Jew. So here we see that Saul is using his Gentile name of Paul. John is going by Mark, a Gentile name, at this point in his life. So too this Jewish man bearing the same Jewish name as the Savior Jesus has chosen to be known by his Gentile name of justice. Why are these Jewish men such a comfort to Paul? Because Paul is Jewish, but laboring hard to win strangers to Jesus. In the midst of such battles, it is comforting to have those who understand 
those who understand your battles and are faithful to stay in the battle with you. Aristarchus stood so close by Paul that he was imprisoned with Paul. And both Mark and Justice were willing to be known by their Gentile names rather than their Jewish names for the sake of reaching the world for Christ. These men were willing to give up their old life in order to find new life in Christ. And in so doing, they comforted Paul and enabled the Holy Spirit to use Paul to write nearly a third of the New Testament. What are you willing to give up for Jesus? We'll now move on and hear about the man whose heart was burdened for the salvation of the Colossians. You're going to think about these, uh, these endings to these chapters differently in the future, aren't you? Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. Notice that Paul is going out of his way to make a recommendation for the character and the ministry of Epaphras. Paul is endorsing Epaphras here in, here in the sense that he is the man whom God selected to serve as a leader to the Asian church of the Colossians, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. Where is Epaphras when Paul is writing this letter? In prison with Paul. Why? Let's review what Paul has to say about Epaphras in chapter 1. We talked about this man in chapter 1. Keep that in your mind. Why is this man in prison? In Colossians 1, verses 3 through 8, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Epaphras is a Colossian and the one who likely brought the truth of the gospel to the Colossians. Epaphras' situation reminds me of Jesus' words. A prophet is not respected in his own land. Epaphras, after learning the gospel, probably from Paul, during Paul's two-year ministry in Ephesus, was glad to share it with his people in Colossae, who at first listened to him. It appears then that it was Epaphras that planted the church in Colossae based on Paul's teachings there in Ephesus. However, there was a problem with the local church accepting the local guy as pastor, or so it seems. We learn from the book of Colossians that when others came in with their new philosophies like angel worship and self-serving spins on the gospel, that the Colossians were eager to latch on to worshiping angels and following Jewish legalism, but not willing to hold on to the freedom in Jesus that Paul taught Epaphras. Therefore, we can suspect that Epaphras was not as well respected in Colossians so Epaphras had a solution to his dilemma. Epaphras traveled to Rome to meet the great apostle Paul 
And in response, Paul writes this letter to the Colossians approving Epaphras. Paul elevates Epaphras to his own level by calling him a dear fellow servant and informs the church at Colossae that Epaphras is indeed a faithful minister of Christ on behalf of the Colossians. Why is it that people will seldom respect someone who comes from their own group but will respect an outsider? Notice how Epaphras speaks about the church at Colossae. So, He's, I feel like he felt disrespected and had to go find Paul. That lands him in Rome in prison with Paul. So how does he talk about the church where he felt disrespected? He informs Paul and everyone that the church is full of love and the Spirit of God, even though Epaphras felt the need to find Paul to address issues in the church. How do you talk to others about your church? If you ever find a perfect church, let the rest of us know. But I will warn you, if you ever find a perfect church, don't attend because we're all imperfect and as soon as you attend, it'll be an imperfect church. So that brings up the point, how do we talk about our church? Do we let the world know about all the imperfections we have in our church? Or do we let the world know about the love and the spirit of God that is at work in our church? So we can all learn from Epaphras, hopefully we don't have to go to jail to do it, so that we speak well about our church even when there are issues in the church. We must know what we say to others about our church is what they'll believe about our church. Let's move quickly through these final verses as Paul closes his letter to the Colossians. Colossians 4, 14 and 15. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. We see that Luke, who would later write the Gospel of Luke, was still with Paul during this imprisonment in Rome. I suspect that due to Paul's infirmities, his sickness, that Luke was not only gaining spiritual wisdom from Paul, but that Luke was also ministering to Paul's physical needs. Mm, I could meddle there, but I'm not. Here, Paul healed a whole lot of people, but Paul needed a physician, and that's all I'm going. Here, Paul also mentions Demas. We will unfortunately learn later in Paul's second letter to Timothy that Demas would not endure the hardships of the missionary work, but because of his love for the present world, he would abandon Paul in Rome the second time Paul was imprisoned in Rome. We don't know what happened to Demas. I didn't chase down the traditions, but the Bible is silent about what happens to Demas after that fact. Paul also recognizes that Colossae is close to Laodicea and the house church being held in Nympha's house. Paul encouraged the local churches to stick together and to never feel like they were competing for members. So too, we never have to feel like we're competing with other churches for members. We are fighting against the spiritual forces of darkness to save souls from hell. And that battle is more important than competing to see who has the most members or programs. But that's going to lead me to meddling some more, so I'll move along. Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Let me tell you what. When Paul says, you got something that you got to do, 
pull your bootstraps up because you're fixing to have to do some ministry. What is it that Paul is asking Archippus to do? What ministry did he receive? Was it possible the restoration of Onesimus to Philemon? We briefly turn the pages over to Phil's book once again. Philemon 1, 1 through 3. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Athia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Did you catch that? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the letter to? Phil. What church was Phil attending? The one in Archippus' house. Is it possible that Philemon was a member of the house church that was meeting, and I'm going to call him Archie, meeting in Archie's house, and Paul was therefore asking him to participate in the reconciliation of the former slave to a master who is now a brother in the Lord? What is the one thing that you can carry from this life into the next? may not be the only thing, but what is one thing that you can carry from this life into the next? Is it gold? Said love, we're going to refine that. Relationships. That's where our love is practiced, is in our relationships. It's in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, if you're a real big fan of that secular rock group and they don't know Jesus, they're not going to be there when you get there. Uh, I don't know why I went there, but I did. Uh, so it's our relationship that we have with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. we got to realize that our fellowship, our friendship, and our relationships with other believers are treasures that we will enjoy in heaven and guard against letting anything in this world separate us from our fellowship with other believers. Now, I'm not a social person by nature or nurture, but I treasure every moment that I get to spend with God's people. Because you who belong to the Lord are my treasure. And as much as I look forward to seeing Jesus face to face, Know that I will be looking. I'm trying to get a good look around these lights because I want to get some familiar faces. Know as much as I look forward to seeing Jesus face to face, know that I will be looking to see you on the other side as well. We are the treasure that we can carry into eternity, our love, our relationships, and our memories that we have with one another. I would say that that is important, and yet how often is that neglected? How often do you think the enemy is attacking our relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ? How many have been wounded by the church? I didn't raise my hand. Have I forgiven those who wounded me? Thank God, yes. And I look forward. And I could almost get emotional. Because I remember the man who loved me into the kingdom of God. And he's already there. But I'm going to see him again. And that is a treasure that the enemy cannot take away from me in this world. 
Never let the enemy steal your treasures in heavens. Jesus taught us where your heart is. There your treasure will be. If my heart is in the relationships and the fellowships I have with fellow believers here in this world, that I'm going to see them in heaven. Then my heart's in heaven. And the devil will never break my heart in heaven and he'll never break your heart in heaven either. Colossians 4.18 I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Praise God for God's grace. Remember our brothers and sisters and Christians who are laboring. Some are in chains. Some are fighting and that's why today is Missions Day, as we talked about the missions that are going out, we know that some of our Jewish brothers that were in Israel had to come back to the states because of persecution there in Israel. People, the persecution is real in this world. Remember our missionaries who are undergoing the persecution to spread the word of Jesus Christ, but remember also, it's by God's grace no other way remember our fellow believers Mike doesn't know I'm saying it but greetings from Calvary Chapel in Mobile they are a church about our same size and they are a beautiful church trying to grow in number with a pastor who is still laboring full time we have got churches in our fellowship that need our prayers let's add them to our prayer list and let's be able to say grace to them and we may not recognize their face here on this earth, but hopefully when we get to heaven, I don't really like Ray Bolts, but he did write a good song. There's going to be some people that we get to meet in heaven that we never met on earth. So never fail to pray for those who are laboring in the gospel. Father, we thank you for the grace and mercy that you have given to us. We thank you that you have loved us and that our salvation is through a relationship with you, Jesus Christ. We've got to remember that a relationship works in a two-way communication. And Father, I pray today that in our prayers, we don't just... Uh, I still think about the video that Rob shows where we have coffee with Jesus and before you ever say a word, we walk away about our daily life. Jesus, let us hear you, but let us have relationship, Christian fellowship with love and build treasures in heaven through the people that are here on earth so that when we speak of any ministry, we, then, we know that no one ministers alone, but that together a threefold cord is not easily broken. And Jesus, you sent your disciples out two by two so that they would not be alone but have each other. Let us support each other. Give us that heart. Give us that mind. Empower our prayers, Lord, so that we pray for those who are laboring, so that the rewards we reap in heaven, we reap from our relationships and our love for you and for one another. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray. Amen. If Sometimes I forget to say this and I've got to not fall back on some of my roots because I'd have you come running down to the altar and lay hands on your right ear. If you need prayer, find us. Don't worry about interrupting us, eating, talking to somebody else or whatever.
Calvary Chapel, you learn. It don't matter where you're at, we'll pray for you. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you and build that prayer relationship with you and get you in touch with God. We may not get you an answer today, but I guarantee you the answer's on the way. Amen. Amen. Well, before we start with this first song, I want to talk to you guys real quick about um, about worship and the songs that we sing up here because uh, one of the things that we don't do or or at least this worship ministry doesn't do, is pull a song and go, this is a great song, I really like the drum solo, we should do it on Sunday. We pour over these lyrics and make sure that what we are singing is in line with Scripture. If you hear me sing something that is not in line with Scripture, by all means, please let me know. But before we sing a song, I pour over these songs. I don't listen to the drum solo. I don't listen to the cool bass riff. I look at the words and I line it up with scripture and I make sure that what we're singing isn't outside of what God's word says. And sometimes there really can be some artistic license. Sometimes it's just out and out weird. And so I try to keep a, a real good eye on that. And this, I mention it because the song we're about to do, for a long time, I wouldn't go near it because I had no idea what it meant. I didn't think it meant anything bad. I just didn't know what it meant. And so I wasn't willing to do it unless I could, you know, if somebody came up to me afterwards and said, hey, man, that song that we sang, what does that mean? And if I couldn't explain what it meant, then I felt like I had no business um, singing it or, or, or rather leading you guys in it, I guess. Maybe I could crank it in my car and sing it, you know, but leading a congregation and singing it because I'm liable for that, you know, if I stand before the Lord when it's my when it's my turn and he goes dude why did you make them sing that that didn't make any sense at all or worse right or worse like that's not glorifying to me at all so um, I just wanted to read to you out of Psalms real quick uh, Psalms 50 hear O my people I will speak O Israel and I will testify against you I am God you are God I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings which are continually before me I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your fold. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds on the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. Now, I come from Wisconsin, most recently. Wisconsin. And um, we have ridges in Wisconsin. I don't know if you guys have ever stood on a ridge that, that you could see for miles. And that's what this song is talking about, is how it all belongs to the Lord. It's like standing on a ridge and seeing the miles and miles of his creation and just going, wow, it's all his. And so um, because I didn't understand that song, I just wanted to share that with you. And if, and, you know, if somebody's got a different interpretation, by all means, catch me afterwards and share your thoughts on it with me. But um we praise this magnificent, glorious God who has created all the heavens and the earth. And sometimes we get super busy in our lives and forget to stop and recognize how magnificent of a creator he is and how evident that is in his creation. And so we're going to sing about his um, magnificence. So stand up.
give you my soul and I live for you alone every breath that I take every moment I'm awake Lord
Praise the Lord. God, we thank you so much. What a joy to be able to worship you. Thank you that you are so good to your children. Thank you that you are so gracious to us. Lord, bless the food that we are about to eat and enjoy. Be amongst our fellowship, Lord, as we're praying for one each other and, and encouraging one another. And Lord, let every word that falls off of our tongues during this time of fellowship be edifying, encouraging, and Lord, just that it would be drenched in the Holy Spirit. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. Go eat. <laughs>